It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm really looking forward to talking with my guest today. Joining me is Donald Daly. Donald is CEO, founder of Altify, formerly at the Taz Group, and author of the Amazon number one bestseller, Account Planning in Salesforce. He combines his expertise in enterprise software applications, artificial intelligence, and sales methodology as he continues to transform how progressive organizations sell. So, Donald, welcome to Accelerate. Hey, Andy. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. So, quick question for you. How'd you get your start in sales? Oh gosh! Um, so I've never had I've never had a proper job. Um, <laughs> I've, this I've I've always kind of run my own um, and my own businesses. So this is my fifth software company. So after a while, you kind of figure out that the, you know nothing happens until someone sells something, right? So you kind of learn that over the years with many scars and many failed deals and those kind of things. So so you learn a lot on the way. So what was the impetus to start a predecessor company to Altify the Task Group? Um, so when I um, sold my last company, I, I, I kind of started doing some consulting work for folks mm-hmm. and started looking at you know, sales strategy and then sales go-to-market models and sales training. And looking at it from the outside in, my kind of perspective was that the sales training, sales methodology market was broken. Um, took the words out of my mouth you know so there's a lot of money being spent and um, with you know a lot of good people delivering a lot of good methodology but it was really very hard to use uh, very hard to apply there was no technology applied it was hard to measure and as a consequence the subsequent kind of stickiness of the adoption was really very poor so there was no sustained value delivered at all Mm mm-hmm and my view coming from a software background was, well, this seems crazy, right? So why doesn't someone put smart software in the hands of the salespeople to guide them to use the methodology when they need it, when they're working their deals, or they're trying to expand it in an account? Or, you know, because that's when they actually really need it. They don't need it when they're sitting in the classroom learning about it. So that's what, that's what started this business. So are you seeing your business evolve over time to being more mobile-based? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, field-based salespeople are called field-based because they're in the field, right? And and so they're on their phones all the time. Uh, they're connected uh, all the time. And I kind of think of it like this: if you know, if you use your Google Maps on your smartphone to help you get um, to your customer then you should have a smart app on your smartphone that helps you navigate the sales call. You know, so, so there's a lot of mobile um, application. Um, and um, it's, you, you know, I, I think we need to serve people where they are. And in many cases, field salespeople are in the field, you know, visiting customers. And, and so, so a lot of our applications are used on the phone. So give us an example of, of what some of your applications do. So uh, we have we have an application called Opportunity Manager, which helps people to manage a sales opportunity and identifies, for example, if they're not speaking to the right people or if they haven't uncovered the 
the, the customer's business issues or if they're not prepared for their sales call or where there might be risks in a deal. Um, and so how, and does, how does the app know that? So it, it, it combines a couple of things. Um, so it combines um, deep methodology knowledge. So uh, one of the things that we did after starting the software company was we actually bought the Taz business from Oracle in t- 2006. Mm-hmm. That kind of gave us um, 30 years methodology knowledge. And, and along the way, there has been, I guess, over a million hours of coaching done and more than a million people have been, through that, uh, have been through that methodology. And as a conscience, we know a little bit about how deals work and, and why you win deals and, and, and why you lose. Mm-hmm. So we baked all that knowledge into the software. Um, so based on where you are in a deal, uh, the software will identify where there are risks and it'll tell you what you should do next to advance the deal. Hmm. Does it depend on the accuracy of the input from the sales rep? Um, it does. It does. It does to a point. If the sales if the sales rep doesn't put in any information, then it doesn't know what it's dealing with. Mm-hmm. But but uh, it'll use it'll use out of the gate. It'll use all the information that is in the CRM. And it'll also kind of triangulate the data and the accuracy of the data that the salesperson puts in. Um, the salesperson, for example, might indicate to our software application that it understands that 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 they understand the decision criteria that the customer has. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it'll then check to see whether they have identified, you know, whether they've got a good solution fit. So if they've one and not the other. There's a problem. Um, it might it might um, suggest that one of the competitors is particularly strong for one of the features that the customers cares um, cares about, and then it'll kind of then go back and question the strategy that the salesperson is taking. So it triangulates the data, it triangulates the input, and it identifies where there is missing input. Um, so. But and then it, it it encourages the salesperson, if you like, to to um, put the information in because they get good value in return. Mm-hmm. And that, as you know, is one of the challenges with with CRM systems per se. You know, I put the data in, but what do I get? Exactly. You know? um, so, in what we what we try and do is is resolve what we call the kind of reward effort equation. You know, if I put stuff in, I should get more back. Right. You know. Um, you know, it's a bit like when you go look for information, you do a Google search, and it's not hard, and you get lots of value back. So, so that's the kind of enticed engagement that we that we seek to apply with our um, um, with our software, and that that ends up meaning that getting the salesperson to put the data in isn't actually that big a challenge. So, I, I sort of taking a diversion path a little bit, but sort of allied with that is is. We- brought the word value and, and I love what you talk about in your material that you guide organizations to create value through the sales experience which to me is, yeah. is spot on yeah so value is a word that's very loosely used in sales in this context how are you defining value well I think that um, winning sales professionals if when they have a meeting with the customer the customer will go away from that meeting going, you know what, I'd actually have paid for that meeting, right? Because the salesperson has brought their experience to bear. 
Um, because a salesperson, by definition, will engage with lots more customers than the customer will salespeople. Mm-hmm. Um, so the salesperson should have learned from engagements with other customers, from businesses that are similar. Uh, they are, they are, after all, supposed to be specialists in the problems that their application solves. So if they can, um, if they really care about the impact on their customer, and and and. I, I'll often say to folks, if you think about this, that the impact on a customer of a bad buying decision is typically greater than the impact on a salesperson of a lost deal, mm-hmm. then people think about that and they go, oh, I need to start thinking about the impact on the, on the customer. And that gets you to a place where you start thinking about the value that you can deliver and how you can actually help the customer solve their business problem, broaden their understanding of what it is they're trying to do, conceive of new ways to solve the problem. Uh, understand the impact of, of, of not solving the problem um, to an extent that the customer goes, oh, okay, I'm not really sure whether this guy's product is going to solve my issue, but he understands my issue. And, it's, uh, and, and as a consequence, I'm much more inclined to have that conversation with him or her um, because they're not just trying to sell me something. They're really trying to understand what I'm trying to solve. They're really trying to bring value to my business. Um, and that's not entirely a, you know, altruistic from the salesperson's point of view. But it does, because what happens is when the buyer believes that the seller is looking to add value, then it becomes much more of a value conversation than a price conversation. The win rate increases, the deal size increases, the sales cycle shortens. So that's that's uh, so those sellers who actually care about their customers, um, and and can answer that question. You know, honestly, if I was the customer, would I buy from me? And if the answer is yes, then that's a good thing. If the answer is no, then I should walk away. But if they take that perspective, then our experience would would say that they would be a lot more successful. Well, one of the words that you brought up there was specialist, and it's very there's this gulf in the sales world between people that think that salespeople need to be have more specialized knowledge and experience and expertise than those that, quite frankly, think they don't. Um, you know, some people believe that the more expertise you get, the more narrow perhaps the salesperson is, as opposed to more deep, which is what the customer wants. Yeah, I don't know how the non-specialist can survive. Uh, if you're non-specialist, then I can get all the information I need from your website, right? Exactly. Or, or, or I can Google it, um, and I don't have time to talk to you if you've nothing to bring, you know. So, so why do you think companies still persist then and sort of going down the hiring methodologies with you know, I need a hunter, I need a closer, I need somebody that's aggressive as opposed to somebody who's a curious problem solver that <laughs> that can relate to the customer. So I'm not sure that they do. Um, I, I think that the definition of a hunter isn't necessarily, in my opinion, isn't necessarily who is primarily interested in the sale only, right? So an, uh, an effective hunter is one who cares about his customer's business problem and can then figure out how to apply his solution. Um, I think that the, the closing of a deal starts with the opening of a deal. Um, and what we will have experienced as, as we kind of manage, excuse me, as we measure millions and millions and millions of sales cycles, all we'll find is 
you know, if you if you just take a an average sales process or something, I'd say it's got like five stages. You know, the early stages are kind of the, doing discovery and figuring that out and understanding what the customer really needs to the last stage, which would be kind of closing the deal. It's people who kind of rush through the first couple of stages end up spending much longer in the final stages because the customer hasn't got the value. So I, I'm not sure, certainly in the, in the market that we serve, which is enterprise business-to-business sales, uh, I'm not sure that any enlightened uh, hiring manager is hiring the closer. I think they're hiring the business problem solver. Yeah, well, we had hoped so. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen yeah. examples of the opposite, unfortunately, where where um, you know senior managers you'd think would know better are bringing in people that they think primary and sometimes driven by investors and so on, but sure. bringing people with the wrong set of values that really don't align with what the customer is trying to accomplish. Yeah, I don't know how that's sustainable. It, you know, it, yeah, it typically yeah. isn't. I got to see the pattern being repeated. So, um, yeah, and and I'm sorry, just to, just just a point on that. The mm-hmm. because because the world is so connected right now, um, the experience that a customer has with your product is the or with your offering. I'm going to call it that, which is a combination of of your product, your company, and you, if you like. Uh, is the highest predictor of future business, uh, not only within that same company, but within their peer group in their industry. Absolutely. So you cannot afford to burn a customer. You cannot afford to have a bad experience, and you can't afford to not deliver value because you know your customer is your greatest marketing partner. So it raises an interesting question, which is perhaps a bit outside some of the enterprise uh, strictly, but... You know, increasingly, we're seeing this sales development model, the inside sales model developing where you've got teams of anxious young sales reps that are out trying to sell a meeting or a demo for an account exec to come in and, and execute. And yeah, pretty uniformly, that experience isn't very positive on the part of the buyer, you know, being inundated with you know, sort of undifferentiated messaging and so on. Yeah. Yeah. And yet more organizations are going that way. What what do you see happening in that environment? Yeah, I think that's the problem that you identified earlier. It's but it's it, it is it at scale and at velocity because of the tools that people have. You mm-hmm. know, um, and we all get hundreds of inbound messages every day about you know can I have five minutes of your time? And if you're not the right person, can you pass me on to someone else? I'm going no, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, um, um, I think, however, the, again, the folks at the higher stratosphere who, who, who do that practice um, will start with some research on your business and, and will go, I understand the business you're in. Uh, a company like yours achieved X. It's a common problem that we see. Here's something of value. And I think that's the first thing that 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 the companies who take that practice um, is the first thing that they practice effectively is is give a lot of value for free and don't ask for anything in return. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think perhaps a couple of touches down the road, where someone has chosen to open your white paper or look at the video that you sent, or you know, so. Um, actually showed some interest in what it is that you have 
or more importantly, the problems that you solve or you uh, identify, then on, on a subsequent reach out or touch, then they're a lot more inclined to say, okay, you know what? The stuff I've got from you, it, it's not necessarily specifically on target, but it's close enough. And it sees that, or it, it, it demonstrates that you've thought about my business, you thought about how, to, how you can help my business. So yeah, I'll take that meeting with your field sales rep. Okay, great. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and, and talk about the uh, buyer-seller value index that Altified put together uh, with my guest, Donald Daly. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Okay, we're back talking with Donald Daly uh, from Altify. You published this report, the Buyer-Seller Value Index for 2016. has some great findings in it. Uh, urge people to go to your website and download that. Uh, and really sort of highlight some disconnects in, in the sales world between the perspective of the buyers and the sellers. And actually, uh, for me, interestingly, it highlighted the difference and uh, made the disconnects between various perspectives about sales themselves. Um, so... I thought one of the key findings that was interesting was perception of the sellers that the value they deliver by sales reps, their perception of the value they deliver is, is really at odds with the value that the buyers believe they're receiving. Yeah, I think, I think that was interesting because you, you recall the question was to the seller, so do you believe that you add value in, you know, in the meeting? Um, and, you know, a, quite a high proportion of the seller said, yes, we do almost always, you know, and the buyer said, well, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Right? You said the perception was what 40% higher the buyer, yeah. the sellers had than the buyers believed. So I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, one is, one is the fact that too many sellers are still product focused. Um, that's not necessarily the seller's fault, but I think it's an organizational problem in that when sellers go through an onboarding program or, you know, they're, they're training, they tend to spend a disproportionate amount of time on product and not enough time at all on the problems that, uh, um, that the product was designed to solve. So which, which is the problems that the customers should have. So they're not necessarily equipped with that. Uh, they're not they're not equipped to have a conversation about the customer's business problems because they don't know what they are. So that's that that's one point, and they go, "My product is faster, better, cheaper, smarter, does all these things." And I go, "I don't care." Mm-hmm. Right. So the other the other thing that then happens is for those sellers who have kind of evolved to a place where they talk about the value that their product brings as opposed to just the product features. Uh, that's a that's kind of a step up. And they'll talk about, you know, the value they've experienced in company A or company B or company C. But what they've not done first often is consider, are they the pains that the customer is actually really trying to solve? You know, so, um, you know, sellers might think that it's easy to be a buyer, right? But it's my, I would suggest that it's not easy to be a buyer because the buyer has to 
first understand the problem that they have, mm-hmm. uh, understand how it impacts their organization, and then find somebody uh, on the supplier side who gets that and who wants to help them solve the problem. So, and unfortunately, the 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 the, the gap that you um, uh, the gap that you mentioned just speaks to the fact that there's not enough. Uh, thinking around putting the customer at the center and going, how do I actually solve the customer's business problem? What, firstly, understanding what is, what, what, what is the problem, and then how do I solve it? Or you know what, if I can't solve it, then I should walk away. Right. So I, that's, that's, that's a large part of it. Um, the other thing I would say, though, that, that probably affects the data is sellers, by their nature, are more optimistic than buyers. So, so a certain amount of a certain amount of the perception that sellers have are almost is almost in their DNA um, because you know the sure. from the study the, the average win rate is twenty one percent for um, for sellers, which means they get rejected more often than most do, you know, and they have to have a, a very positive outlook on life. So as a consequence, they will have a positive assessment of of how they get on in the meeting. Not necessarily a positive thing. Um, but I, I think a fact. Yeah, and that win rate was sort of interesting. You said twenty-one percent is that seems like that's a number that you should be trying to address, not use personally. But I mean, if you're managing a sales enterprise, enterprise sales team, or a sales team of any type, that 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 would be a number you'd want to address. Big time, big time, um, and for a number of reasons. So the obvious one, the obvious one being being the more that I win, the better that I do. But it also means that if I increase my win rate, this is obvious, but I reduce my loss rate. And, and the reason I kind of call that out is what folks don't spend a ton of time measuring is their cost of pursuing deals that they lose. And that's very material. Um, you'll have seen in the study, I think, mm-hmm. that for a million-dollar seller, if you like, their, their average cost of losing deals yeah, around a quarter direct of costs. Yeah. yeah, it's two hundred eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, so that's a big amount of money, you know. Um, and, and we would suggest that it's really important that you think about: Should I be going after this deal in the first case? You know, am I pursuing the right kind of deals? Because I'm wasting my time, I'm wasting the customer's time. And we kind of put try and put it simply and say: I'd rather that you win. You know, instead of winning three out of ten or two point one out of ten on average, but instead of winning three out of ten, I'd rather win four out of seven. You know, so I yeah, mean, just you just do the math yeah. in terms of the use of time, right? I mean, just 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 use of time and not wasting time and company resources. And as you know, in many cases, it can be really expensive to to you know chase a deal. Yeah, well, it's a decision that. That managers and reps have to make more deliberately. I mean, one of the problems mm-hmm. is that tend to operate. Hey, it's sort of like uh, a dog chasing a squirrel, right? I mean, see a squirrel, they're gonna chase it, um, and <laughs> and it requires uh, acting a little less instinctively and a little more deliberately to make the right decisions about how you're going to utilize your time. Because it, it it also plays directly into the customer experience, as you talk about. Because if if you're a mismatch and you're wasting their time, they're going to get that pretty soon. Yeah, I think there's that, but I also think you know it, it's it's it speaks to it speaks to the need for process, it speaks to the need for methodology, but I think it also speaks to the need for technology, right? So if you think about 
you know, think about your average enterprise B2B seller, right? Um, mm-hmm. And they're working, you know, they're working maybe 20 or 40 deals, or, or they need to win 20 or 40 deals a year, right? Right. Then if they're on average win rate, then that means that they need to work 80 to 160 deals, right, a year. Mm-hmm. And, in, and you've got three or four people in the customer side, uh, involved in each one of those deals. So now you're up to nearly 500 contacts you have to manage and understand what it is that they do. And then you're one of a team of maybe eight reporting to your manager. So now all of a sudden you've got 6,000 people you got to manage if you're the manager and stay on top of the deals. So it's a really simple application for technology to measure a lot of those risks and manage those things and highlight where those risks and say you shouldn't be chasing this deal because actually we don't have unique business value for the customer. We haven't understand the problems they're trying to solve. We can navigate to the right people. So why are you wasting time? You know? Mm-hmm. So, so, so I think it's really important that a, you understand what it is that the buyer wants to do, but you also need to understand what it is that the seller wants to do or should be spending their time on. And, and that's something that's, I think, relatively easy to automate. One of the last questions then for you is, is um, another finding in your, your study that, again, sort of highlights a divide between pretty established companies and their perspective on the marketplaces. You talked about, uh, or studied that 67% of buyers engage suppliers earlier in their buying process before they get yeah. to the solution evaluation stage, which you know, is a fairly broad disconnect from, let's say, CEB figures that, you know, saying that, hey, customers are 50% plus of their way through their buying process. Before they engage, so so what accounts yes. for this? What accounts for this differential? <laughs> so yeah, I know the CEB the the, the CEB guys well, and we have we have debated this point, and and I think that to to, to be fair to them, I think their fifty seven percent number became a little bit of a pop icon number, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a general understanding that, or, or or there should be an understanding that that's first. Firstly, that's on average, right? So it's not across the world. Sure. Um, I think that there's a difference between people moving through their buying process and doing a lot of their investigation and, and, you know, and research. I think that the factors that uh, impact it are very much like frequency of purchase. So if I'm buying photocopier paper, you know what? I don't need a salesperson. No, right? not at all. I know what it is. I don't need to think about it. No value on the channel. I, I do it frequently. You know, mm. If I'm buying an ERP system or a CRM system, you know, I probably want someone who's done this before to talk to, you know, and 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 um, I want to find a seller to add value. And I do think that buyers, because they're increasingly busy, they're under time pressure, they're looking for a seller to enlighten them. And perhaps why uh, there is a an, an opinion that they're later in the cycle is they might go, well, the sellers aren't really adding an awful lot of value. But our research would suggest that that average number is false. Um, I think it's a cop out for sellers, uh, I th- and I think it's a dangerous number. Yeah, they're it's a, <laughs> they're finding as a justification for not being proactive. Yeah. So yeah, and the last point I think that sort of goes with that, which I thought you know reinforces this idea that you need to engage early, is that you found that a, a significantly higher win rate for sellers that engage with buyers early in the process. Yeah, because you know they 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 get to have that opportunity to help the buyer broaden their perspective on on, on what it is that they're trying to do, 
um, they get to have the opportunity to help the buyer understand the impact that um, this might have in their organization. They get to really sit on the buyer's side of the table and then it becomes a, okay, how do we move forward together as opposed to give me the bid, you know? So and consequently, their win rate, their value, all those things go up. Perfect. Well, good. Well, Donald, I want to thank you for being my guest today. Uh, tell people how they can find out more about Altify and you. So thanks, Andy. Uh, so they can go to altify.com, uh, A-L-T-I-F-Y.com, and uh, there'll be something about me there, um, but that's not important. It's more about uh, they will find how to um, apply some of the things that we spoke about to add more value to their customers. They will also find that uh, the buyer-seller value index, which they're free to download, and um, I hope, hopefully they will get a sense that if they put the customer at the center of what they do, um, everyone wins and that there's a way to use some technology to accelerate that journey. Great. Well, thank you very much. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that, make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, listening in on your commute in the gym or on some part of your morning sales meeting. That way you almost won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Donald Daly, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.